0: Well, happy New, Year. happy New Year! I'm looking around. I see people that usually come to the first service. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you guys at the second service? In our neighborhood last night, I wasn't sure if Fort Belvoir was doing fireworks or somebody was throwing sticks of dynamite because, uh, wow, there was some loud stuff I've never heard before um, in our neighborhood. But we hope you enjoyed your time last night, whatever that may have looked like for you. But we are glad that you're here with us on January first, two thousand. And 17. I'm looking forward to sharing with you this morning. Now, here's one thing I would say. If, um, if you are here and you made resolutions and you made goals, it's, uh, let's see, what are we here, about 11 hours and 45 minutes into the day, you're a success so far. You haven't given up, right? Unless it was sugar and you had something during take five, but otherwise, keep being successful. Hey, um, as we get started today, I've got a little contest And I need your help. This isn't one of those things a pastor asks his question and it's rhetorical. This is where I need responses, okay? So we're gonna do a little music trivia as we get started this morning, all right? All right, everybody ready for that? Let's have a little fun, get the blood pumping. So here's a question for you What song does Billboard 100 say is the most popular song of all time? Come on, people, let's go. Somebody else said thriller of the first service. That is not right. Amazing grace. All right, listen to this. Tell me if you know the song. Come on, baby, Bob, Bob, let's Bob, the Bob, Come on, baby, let's do the Bob, It is a twist by Chevy Checker. A lot of us are like, "Who's that? What song is that?" Some of you are showing your generation. All right, here we go. You guys did a terrible job on that one. Let's see what goes on now. What is the most sung song of all time? You guys cheated. Play This is a traditional version, so there's this big intro. Basis. Happy birthday yeah, you guys that one.
1: to you. Did you know, you cannot sing
0: this in public, or you can be sued by Warner Music. Um, in fact, when you go to restaurants, notice they don't sing this song. And if they do, you can call them to Warner say, Hey, these people are singing that song. But anyway, most of the time, they don't bust you. You guys did a great job on that one. This one you're not going to get. Here we go, third song. What is the most played song of all time? Here Comes the Bride. That was good. What was that? Cross sticks? Hot, hot sticks? Thriller? Anybody want to say Thriller again? Yeah. Happy birthday amazing Grace not a christian song All right here we go Now here's the deal You're going to hate me Won't you go ahead and leave it up let's go let's go let's go Let it play You're going to hate me after you hear this cuz you're going to sing it all the time is it? this song has been played 50 million times and you will never be able to unhear that today so you're welcome <laughs> now you're thinking 50 million times let me give you a little bit of uh the numbers here okay disney has six parks that has this particular ride if you want to call it a ride it's not even fun anymore right it was back in the day um so you add all the years up you're talking about almost 150 years times 365 days equals 54,750 days the park's open 12 hours a day. They played about 1,200 times per day, per place. So that's 49, 000, or 49,494,000 times that horrible song has been played. You know what's the second place? Second place. You've lost that love in feeling. <laughs> Only 8 million times. And we know it's mostly because all the ladies who love Top Gun and got the song and just kept listening to it over and over and over again, right? You guys remember the volleyball scene in Top Gun. Anyway, or you ladies do, I should say that. No. Music. Why would you start out with music? Well, music is an important part of who we are. It's a part of culture. It's a part of humanity. It's been around for, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And music's probably important to you. In fact, you probably have certain playlists. You probably have a playlist for Monday morning when you're heading to work in the commute. And then you probably have your party playlist on Friday afternoon, right, when you're way home. You have music that you listen to when you wake up in the morning. Maybe that's what wakes you up in the morning. You have music that's your workout partner. You have music that when you're calm, you need to get excited, and so you listen to that particular kind of music, that playlist. Or maybe you're too excited, you need to calm down, so you have a different playlist that you listen to. I mean, music is an important part of who we are, and all of us in here probably listen to some sort of music, and maybe even you have certain playlists that you listen to all the time, because music's important. What's also important in the Bible... In the Old Testament, we actually have a book that's a playlist. Now, it's a big playlist. There are 150 songs in this playlist, and it's the book of Psalms. Those 150 songs were written over the course of about 900 years by many different authors, except for one, King David. You may be familiar with him. King David wrote about 72 of those particular songs. 72. And this morning, I want to focus on one of those songs, I'm going to focus on Psalm chapter 40. Psalm 40. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We're going to get there in just a moment. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We're going to put it up here on the screens. But let me give you something to think about as we start this morning, specifically with Psalm 40. This past week, or the past couple of weeks, reading people's Facebook posts, and maybe you've experienced the same thing, a lot of people have said 2016 was their worst year ever. And in fact, some news outlets say that 2016 was one of the worst years ever. And people tell exactly, you know, what happened in their life or what happened in our world to make it feel that way. Maybe for you, 2016 was your worst year ever. Maybe it was a year that you struggled in so many different areas. Maybe you just felt stuck. Maybe you felt stuck relationally. Your marriage... You thought it was going to get better. You've tried to do everything you can to mend it, to fix it, and it just doesn't seem to be moving in the right direction. Or maybe there's tension between you and your family members and friends and the interaction and the connection you have with them. Again, you, you try to rebuild it, you try to repair it, but it doesn't seem to be working at all relationally. Could be physically. You learned this year that you were sick. And you've had to deal with that, an illness that doesn't seem to go away. Maybe someone in your family has a disease, and you're, you know the outcome isn't good, and so you're, you're kind of stuck as you think about that. Or maybe even death. See, a lot of times death happens. It's unexplained. We're not quite ready for it. E- even if somebody we know who's getting ready to pass away, it's still tough. And so you feel stuck because of what happened physically in your life or financially. You started 2016, what would you say? We're going to get out of debt this year. It's January first, two thousand and seventeen. You're looking back and like, we're in more debt this year than we were last year. What happened? This didn't plan out or play out the kind of the way that I wanted it to play out. And so you're struggling with debt, or maybe your income didn't change this year. Or maybe even worse, it went down. And so there's this financial stuckness that we may feel, or maybe it's just sin. We think we can beat and defeat these temptations, but they keep coming back. We take a couple of steps forward, but then we take a couple of steps back to where we were. We can't seem to get beyond it. Those addictions, they just never go away. We, we get the help we need, but we jump right back into what we were doing before. The sin, the temptations, they're there, and we don't know what to do. And so we feel like we're stuck in this place, just this never-ending cycle within our lives. We find ourselves in these pits, in these pits. We can't get out of them. Well, here in Psalm 40, David shares with us, how we can get out of these pits in life. And as we move from 2016 to this brand new day in 2017, I believe Psalm 40 gives us some insights of how we can move forward when we find ourselves in those places. Psalm 40. We're going to look at the first few verses here. We're not going to read the the whole thing. Um, If you are any U2 fans in here, 1983, U2 wrote a song called 40. And guess what it's based on? It's based on Psalm 40, and we're actually going to sing that a little bit later for communion time. But um, but it's a beautiful song, and I can only imagine what it sounded like in David's time. But listen to these words. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. David begins here and he talks about being caught in this pit of despair, this mud and this muck and this mire, and he cannot get out of it. Now, a lot of times when David writes these songs, we find that based on when they are created, when he writes the song, we have a good idea of what's happening within his life. Uh, scholars say they 're not real sure when David writes this. It seems like he may be writing this later on in his life, kind of looking back. But it could have been anything that was going on with david 's life at this point. It could have been some sort of illness that he was going through. It could have been just dealing with his enemies. Uh, it could have been some sort of sickness. Uh, it could have been his family. If you know anything about david 's family, they're pretty jacked, and so uh, there's a lot of issues there. So it could have been about his family. Uh, it could have been depression, could have been sin. We, we really don 't know specifically when this psalm was written. But what David talks about within this psalm gives us, I think, hope and insights of how we can move forward as we move on in our life, as we find that we're stuck in the pits of life, each one of us that may find ourselves in right now as we begin this year, or as the years begin to pass on, we'll find ourselves in these pits every single year. And so how do we move forward? How do we get out of that? I want to break the psalm down. So Psalm 40, look at the very first part of verse 1 here. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. The Timex, the watch company, did a patience study a few years back, and they asked people, they said, hey, um, if you're put in this particular situation, how long would you wait before you took some action? And so I want to share with you this morning some of the answers that people came up with. Here's the first one. People said they would take 26 seconds before they would shush people at a movie theater. Okay? They said they would take 26 seconds to take a seat from someone that leaves. So someone gets up, you watch for 26 seconds, then you go sit in their seat, you know, if you're waiting for a table or something. People said they'd wait 45 seconds to tell someone on a cell phone that they were too loud and to quiet down. They would wait 13 minutes for a table at a restaurant. Maybe they've never eaten in the D.C. metro area, but it's usually a little bit longer, 13 minutes. They said they'd wait 20 minutes on a blind date, It's just kind of sad, before you would leave if they didn't show up. Okay, 20 minutes. But there's one more I want to share with you, and um, this one gets me every single time because I don't know what country they went to to get the answer for this one, okay? You ready for this? Here it is. We'll wait 13 seconds to honk at someone when the light is green. 13 seconds. I don't even want to wait 13 seconds, right? they've never been they definitely didn't ask this question in the dc area okay a lot of you and i know you the light's red and you're going ahead and beeping the horn anyway now i'm the type that i kind of treat the the red lights and the green lights as the the starting tree when you go to you know if you have ever been to a drag strip or seen a drag strip lights red and then it does all those different colors and when it's green boom you hit the gas right that's the way you're supposed to do it some people just asleep like come on and i like to think i'm a patient driver but, man, we don't like to wait. And 13 seconds is way long. And, again, I don't know what country they went to to get that information, but we'll just say that they messed up there. Maybe it's 1.3 seconds. Maybe that's what exactly it should be. We only wait so long before we take action. Uh, we want a faster line, a shorter line. And if you're like me, you always choose the shorter line. It ends up being the longer line for some reason. I don't know why that is, but that's just the way it is. Um, a lot of us have Amazon Prime, which is great, isn't it? Amazon Prime, you can get stuff in two days. Now they have Amazon Prime same day. Prime is too long, people. Two days is too long. I want it today. Let me order it this morning. I can have it in my house this evening. I mean, we don't want to wait. We're not good when it comes to waiting. And when it comes to being stuck, waiting patiently seems so far beyond how we are created and wired to work and to act, doesn't it? David stuck. this pit of despair sounds like a pretty deep nasty pit he finds himself in and yet what does he do waits patiently for god he didn't quit he didn't give up he said i'm gonna wait patiently And when you and i feel stuck in those pits of despair the first thing we have to learn to do is to wait patiently And I know that's hard because we can't even wait for a green light for less than, you know, maybe two seconds. Somebody said five seconds. That seems way too long for me. Wait patiently when stuck in those pits of despair. But notice what he says at the end of verse 1. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. A few years back... uh, Houston Airport executives were getting all kinds of complaints about the time it took for people to get their baggage when they got off of their airplanes. And so they looked into the situation and they came up with a solution. They said we'll just add more baggage handlers and that's exactly what they did, which actually cut the time down to eight minutes, which is well within industry standards, okay? Well guess what happened with the complaints? They didn't go down. In fact they stayed constant and so they looked at this and they said okay that didn't work what else can we do well what they found was that it took people one minute to walk from the gate to the baggage claim and then they had to wait there for seven minutes for their bags to come across the carousel now i'm sure nobody in here is impatient when they're at the the airport and you're waiting on your baggage are you you sit there, you know there's systems and processes in place and everything to make this happen. But nobody in this room would ever get upset about that uh, and complain about it. But these people complained about, they found out this was the issue, so here's what they did. They decided to move the gates further from baggage claim. And so now people had to walk like six miles from where they got off on their gate. And this is your guy's fault because you have to do this now. They get out of the gate and you had to walk seven minutes to baggage claim but only wait for one minute. Isn't it funny how that kind of changes your perspective? Um, Waiting for us seems unproductive sometimes. In fact, Richard Larson is an MIT researcher, and here's his job. He's a leading expert on waiting in lines. That's a great gig, I think, if you can get it. Here's what he said. He said, occupied time, walking to baggage feel shorter than unoccupied times standing at baggage. The outcome in this particular situation at the Houston airport is that the complaints went down to almost zero. Nothing really changed. They just made you walk a lot longer. And if you're busy, if you're doing something, it feels like you're waiting less. Back when skyscrapers were first being built, uh, they, people were complaining because they had to wait for the elevators. So they came up with this idea They put mirrors all around where the elevators are. When you go to a skyscraper next time, check it out. What you'll find is a lot of reflective material. Why? You can look at yourself while you're waiting for the elevator. Or if you're kind of weird and strange, you can look at other people while you're sitting there waiting for your elevator. Why? This is occupied time now. You're not just waiting, looking at wallpaper or paint. There's something to do. Waiting seems unproductive. Unoccupied time for you and I. But what do we find David's doing here? David's waiting, but he's actively waiting. He's actively waiting. He says he's waiting patiently for the Lord to help him, and he turned to me and heard my cry. David's in the midst of this pit, but he's crying out to God for help. He's asking God for help in what he finds himself in. Now, I want you to notice a couple things here. First is this. David calls and God listens. David calls and God listens. So many times when we find ourselves in this pit of despair, we may be calling out, we don't feel like God's listening to us. But David says no. In fact, what does David say? David said, God heard my cry and and turned toward David. He comes toward David in this moment and where he is. But there's something else here. David doesn't treat God as a last resort. For many of us, because we're type A, we've got great degrees we have high powered jobs we know we can handle this on ourselves or for ourselves right so we find ourselves in these pit of despair in this mud in this mire in this muck and we say i can get out of this i can make it out of this and so we begin to do what we think is right to get out of this place and and what i find is we usually dig a deeper hole or make it wider make it worse than it was because we rely on ourselves before god and david says no i'm here i need god's help and so he asks god to help him where he is it's the first thing he does when he's in that pit that place that many of us would quit and give up or at the end say okay god i can't do it what you got for me i'm tired i'm worn out and david says no begin with god and god will listen where do you start when you find yourself in the pit? Do you self-loathe? Do you get bitter? Angry? Do you give in to temptation or to sin? David says, be patient and turn to God. Call to God for help. Well, what happens when we do that? Look at verse 2. David says, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me, as I walked along, and I love what David says here because while he's in the pit, he says, God's setting my feet in firm foundation. See, God's right in the midst of the pit with David. And it's almost like God is moving his feet to take that next step in his journey. E- even though what's happening may be tough, God is still there leading David, which is what God does for you and I. That God is working in us while we're in the pit. Now, the circumstances may not be changing, but we may look around us and think, well, nothing's really different now than it was two days ago or two months ago. But David says, hold up a second. In that pain, in that suffering, in this pit you find yourself in, you know what's happening? God is right there beside you. And God's leading your path in this journey as you move forward. To get you out of this place you find yourself in it may be a couple of days a couple of months a couple of years maybe for some of us a couple of decades before we get to that place but david says god is leading your path and leading your footsteps as you move forward in the book of james and the new testament chapter one verse two this comes out of the message paraphrase bible it says this it says consider a sheer gift friends when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Uh, James here, uh, in the the. The Eugene Peterson version uses that word pressure. And some of the other versions, you hear the word testing. You probably read that quite a bit. That word testing was very specific to a Greek term that was all about the smelting process. Smelting process is if you take a piece of ore and you put this intense heat on it, in the end, all the valuables, minerals within that will come to the top and all the invaluable stuff will just kind of disintegrate and separate. And so at the end, you've got something valuable in your hands. Copper, iron, bronze, those sort of things. James says a couple things. First, he says, um, hey, when you're in those pits of despair, that's a gift. It doesn't feel like much of a gift when you're right in the middle of it, does it? When your marriage is struggling, when you don't get along with your in-laws, with your parents, when you're struggling financially, when you're struggling with spiritually... Whatever it is that we struggle with in our lives, when we find ourselves in those pits of despair, those spiritual pits that we find ourselves in, man, so many times it's hard to think that something good is happening, that this is a gift. But but James says it's a gift to us, and here's why because we go through a soul smelting process. That in that hurt, and in that pain, and in that pit of despair, god's working god's working on our souls and all that pressure that we feel and all that tension that we feel god's right in the middle of that and changing us and transforming us and here's the beauty of the soul smelting process when we come out of it we're much more valuable than when we went in we're different James says, hey, when you're in those moments, when you're in the pit of despair like David, God smelts your soul. And I don't know that there's anything better than our souls being smelted for God, being changed into something valuable. Think about it for a moment. When do people grow the most in their relationships with God? Adversity and waiting. Right? Some of you have been there before. In adversity, your faith has grown. In the waiting, your faith has grown. Because God works in those moments. God is working in us in those moments and changes us and transforms us and guides us forward. God's working in us when we're stuck deep in the pit. Let God smelt your soul. At the end of verse 3 there, David said, He put a new song in my mouth. It was a song of praise to our God. David basically says, hey, I was singing a country song. My dog died, my girl left, me, my truck won't start. All right, that's the kind of song he said I was singing. I have nothing against country. If you like country, we'll say it's emo. So he's playing some emo music. This is what's happening to him at this moment. This is the place he is, but what does he say? He says, God changes all that. I'm despaired. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. There's this tension. But because of waiting patiently... Of the smelting of my soul, I'm singing a brand new song. That's a question maybe you and I need to ask ourselves. What song are we singing right now? Is it a song of despair, depression? Is it distant? Is it a country tune? Nothing against country music, but is it a country tune? Or is it something different than that? Has God put a brand new song in your soul? Because when God is working in us and smelting our soul and changing us, when we're in those pits of despair, we begin to sing a new song. And David said that is so important for us to understand when we are in those pits and God is working alongside of us. Look at the end of verse 3. It says, many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Some of you have probably seen the movie Meet the Parents. Robert De Niro in there is an ex-CIA operative, and he has this circle of trust. And it's really hard to get into a circle of trust, really easy to get kicked out of it, right? And that's kind of the whole plot to the movie. Uh, You probably have a circle of trust. There are probably family members and friends that you have in your life that you trust more than anybody else. They comfort you when you need to be comforted. They help you when you need to be helped. They give you advice when you ask for it. They give you advice when you don't ask for it because they know it's what you need at that moment. I mean, there are people like that in your life. They're part of the circle of trust. And you you would put your life on the line for them because you believe and trust them so, so much. David here in Psalm chapter 40, he not only calls on God when he's in the pit, but he trusts God when he's in the pit. He says, God, I'm going to put my faith and I'm going to put my trust in you, that you're going to lead me out of this. Again, we don't know how long this took. Days, months, years, decades. But he realizes if he put his trust in God, God will lead him out of the place that he finds himself in. And here's one outcome of that. David's changed. He's singing a brand new song. But what he says right here at the end of this verse, I think may be be even more important not only is David changed because of it, the people around him are changed too. Here's one thing you may not realize. When you find yourself in these pits of despair, um, whatever that may look like for you, people around you are watching. Family members, friends, if you got kids, your kids are watching. How are you dealing with what you are going through? Because they're watching to see your reaction and your actions in those moments that has a huge impact and that's not an impact that's just for a few days it has the power to impact people's lives for all eternity and David right here says many will see what he has done and be amazed and they'll put their trust in the Lord and when you and I are going through these pits of despair in our life and this this pain and this hurt and the suffering that we're facing you know what people are watching And the impact that we can have on their lives, not just now, for eternity, could be huge. Now, when you're in the midst of that, you're not really thinking about that, right? But if we follow along with what David talks about here, waiting patiently, crying out to God, trusting that God is leading us through this, singing this new song, people will take notice, and lives will be changed because of it. It's a pretty powerful statement. Some of us in here have probably been through that before. Um, I'm not going to share every detail with you this morning, but uh, my wife Kara and I went through this pretty painfully for our first child. I think it was uh, January of 2001, if I'm not mistaken. We had our baby, our child was stillborn at seven and a half months, and she had all kinds of, um, Kendall Grace was her name, Um, she had all kinds of different ailments, Down syndrome, uh, heart issues, lymph system issues, just all kinds of, of different things, and you know, we thought going in at the, the four-month check, four checkup that everything was great. We were young, we were healthy, you know, we were Christians, there wasn't going to be any issues. The doctor said, no, your baby's very sick. And in fact, they, they said, you should terminate this pregnancy. And we said, well, that's not an option for us. We believe, we believe a miracle is going to happen through this. Miracle never came in our eyes. Uh, again, she was still born, born at seven and a half months, which is uh, tough. For any parent, parents, some of you may have been through that in your life. Um, through all the doubt and the questions and the pain and suffering that we went through, uh, Kara did this way better than I did, but, but we waited patiently, and God led us, and we trusted in God, and you know what? That pit of despair was pretty big for us, but God led us out of that place, but here's what we realized looking back over the last 15, 16 years um, not only were we transformed through all that because of our faith and trust in God, but God allowed us to impact the lives of others. I don't know how many times people asked us, how can you guys not be angry at God? How can you deal with this at this time in your life? And we said, that's just who we are. We can't do anything where we are. We can't, we can't fix this on our own. We need God to lead us and to help us, and to guide us through this. And honestly, that's the only way we survived. I don't know how people do it in life. When you find yourself in those places and you can't put your trust in God or you refuse to, alone, honestly, would we even still be married today? I don't know. That's usually one of those things that that break apart marriages. But I know with God in the midst of this place and this this pit we found ourselves in, um, our lives were changed. But more importantly, we've been able to use that to impact the lives of other people. Even to this day, we still talk to people who are going through that right now. Like, hey, can we share with you how we got through it? It's not easy and it's hard, but we trust the God. And we're where we are today because of that trust. And the miracle is we get to help you go through that now in your life. Maybe you've been there. And you've experienced that and you've struggled with that whatever it may be for you that pit is for you man the most powerful thing you can do is put your trust in god and let god guide your steps every single moment of every single day It's the only way we ever get out of that and in the end we get to sing that new song we get to sing that brand new song and god can use that to transform us but more importantly, the impact the lives of the people around us. I don't know how year 2017 has begun. It's very, uh, very young at this point in time. But I do know that some of us in this room, we find ourselves in those pits right now. And others of us, hey, 2017 may be your best year, but you may find yourself in pits as the year progresses. And as your life progresses. And you know what? As I look at our life, as Karen and I look at what we've been through, as I look at the lives of other people, the only way I know you can get unstuck is by trusting God and doing exactly what David did here. Wait patiently. Cry out to God. Let God set your feet. Sing this new song. Put your trust in God. And amazing things can happen in your life and the lives of others. I know it's easy to say. Sometimes hard to do. But if you talk to people, you find that those that have done it, God can do some incredible things. So as we head into this brand new year, I hope for you, you'll hold on to that and use that and let God lead you forward. Let him lead you in your journey of life so you and I, that we can sing a brand new song.